Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of My Naked Mindset. I'm your host, Janae Ledger. This is episode number 103. Welcome in if this is your first time tuning in. This podcast is all about real raw conversations, talking about taboo topics, everything from intimacy to sex to mental health and a little bit of kind of everything in between. So if you haven't checked out other episodes, there's definitely something for everyone. Like I said, ranging from all sorts of different topics, but this is just a judgment-free zone. So welcome. And this episode will be a little bit of a heavy one. Trigger warning just up top. We will be discussing grief um, just to let everyone know if that's kind of a tough, you know, conversation or thought for you, maybe skip out on this episode. But we have an incredible guest that I would like to introduce you to. She is a coach, speaker, workshop leader who helps folks deal with grief during an unexpected crisis. Everyone, please welcome Allie Bird to the podcast. All right, everyone. So I have Allie here. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. I am so happy to be on your show. Oh, thank you. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Um, I would love to kind of open up the conversation about just sharing a little bit more about yourself and who you are. Yeah. Um, so obviously, my name is Allie Bird. Um, I am a coach. I am an author. I am a therapist in training. And most recently, I got to add the title of widow um, to the person that I am uh, after my husband's death at the end of 2019. Um, And I mostly work in the field of helping people who are in a grief support role find more agency and confidence in showing up for the people that they love um, through the long haul of grief. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And I mean, you are just so strong and I can just, I can feel your energy that you are just super passionate about this work. And I absolutely love that. I love speaking with people who are just, you know, they're, they're so willing to share their story and just teach others about what they've been through and just helping out people. So thank you for everything that you're doing. I think it's incredible. And definitely excited about the book we're definitely going to get into that but I first (laughs) want to ask what are you most excited about that's coming up in your life Ooh, um so I mentioned that I'm a therapist in training and I am I get to start practicum in September of 2023 so actually like working with clients in a clinical setting, as a psychotherapist, um, that's probably what's most exciting in my future right now. That's amazing. And yeah, in in school for like, how long has it been? (laughs) We can get into the (laughs) well, no, not particularly. Um, So I guess this round of school started in January of 2022. um, But I did apply to start school for September of 2020 and I deferred and then I tried again in January of 2021 deferred again to 2022 so technically it's been a while but really not that long 
Okay. Well, that's amazing. I mean, I'm sure that's going to be so exciting to really get into what you're clearly super passionate about. So I absolutely love that. And I am an advocate also of therapy. I freaking love therapy. I think <laughs> everyone who has a heartbeat of some sort should freaking go to therapy because I think it's so valuable. And I preach that on my podcast all the time. My listeners are probably like, Janae is saying therapy again. But yes, I am, guys, because I think it's incredible. <laughs> and even if it sounds scary, or maybe if you've never done it, like just connect with someone. And, and I always say this too, like, I, I, I think that sometimes if you don't find someone you connect with, it gets kind of be very, um, you know, hard and, and it yeah. can be very, um, I, what is the word I'm looking for? I don't even know. Um, I can't think of the word. It's fine. My brain is just all over the place. Um, <laughs> discouraging I knew mm. it would come. it's very discouraging yes. um and I think it's almost it should be like almost like an interview process like you're kind of seeing if you yes. connect with a therapist and if you don't then kind of just being like hey this is not really a good fit for me and just like you should do with any other person like a date or yes yes like it's the same thing like you should really be able to connect and feel comfortable and receive the feedback that you want because you're going for something right like it can be so many different things but I think you know getting what you want out of it and being being transparent about that but also like making sure you connect with the right person I mean that's just my spiel on therapist because like I said I just I've had so many different ones and I think you have to connect with the, the right one to have that really great connection Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I love that you say that it's like dating. Like it really is like shop around until yeah. you find the person that really like you feel like gets you or gets the thing that you want to work on. Um, because that will make a world of a difference if you really connect with that person and are looking for someone to help with change. 100%. I love yeah. Because we're all yeah. different. <laughs> Right, right. And it's so true. It's like, yeah, like everyone has been through something different. And then of course the therapist, I mean, I know there's a lot of therapists that specialize in certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like finding someone that you really do connect with and you feel comfortable with and judgment free. I mean, a a lot of therapists, obviously (laughs) that's what they're there for, but I've heard some of my friends just like, being like, oh, well, I don't feel like I'm connecting. And I'm like, then try someone new. Like, don't be afraid to, and I think even my therapist has told me that like, oh, like if it's not working out for you, like I have a bunch of other colleagues that would be more than happy. So it's like just that connection I feel like is so important. Um, I feel like I just went off on a tangent on therapy, but anyhow. That's okay. I, as much like, yes, therapy is great. We can wrap that up. Yes. Wrap it in a bow. We're all Love fans it. of therapy. <laughs> Go <Love> therapy. <laughs> literally, literally. So how did you get into kind of this field of wanting to be a therapist yeah um so before oh boy okay let me backpedal a little bit so uh will and i so will's my my husband um we moved across the country together in 2016 and that was a huge period of change for me um Mm -hmm. i learned so much about myself it was the first time I really invested 
in a like therapeutic relationship. I worked with a coach to really kind of navigate that transition because there was all sorts of feelings that were coming up and I was having a really hard time working through them on my own. And my husband was like my sole emotional support that was like physically present. All my friends were were left on the other side of the country. Um, and it was in that therapeutic relationship where I'm like, uh, there are so many things about myself that I am not able to use on a regular basis in the work that I was doing. And I'm like, I need to have like, I don't want to do the fluff stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I want to get into like deep heart to heart moments that really like empower and change people um, for the better. Like I feel like I have that capacity in me. So the only means that I had at that point was to get a life coaching certification. So I was working in the life coaching space um, and really starting to like gain some traction, you know, build a clientele, um, working with millennials through life transitions. And then all of a sudden Will died completely unexpectedly in a hiking accident. And I was thrown into, you know, the negative negative of what it means to live in this world as a human being without any roadmap or understanding of what it was like to live with, you know, a life-changing loss. And I had these skills for navigating transitions and I had developed so much self-awareness and boundary setting and all that um, up until this point. But I was like, I, I can't just do the surface level stuff anymore. Like I recognize that I, I intimately know what trauma is now and also like this cultural suppression of grief that is happening. Um, so I like, I can't, I can't turn away from this. This is an area that I really need to spend my time in. And maybe one day I, you know, I will grow out of the grief and trauma space and and work on something else. But right now, this is where, where my heart really is and where I want to, you know, put my energy and really like start a grief revolution so that people like me can, you know, live, live out loud alongside our grief rather than having to like keep our grief in a closet and like try and, and be the people that we just can't be anymore because we've lived through something, you know, really, really traumatic and tragic. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And again, I'm so sorry for your loss. I just, I mean, I think it's incredible that you're, you're, I can, like I said, I can feel your passion. I think it's so powerful when we go through things in life that are so unbelievably difficult. And I'm not saying that I have been in this situation, um, but I just, I think it's incredible when someone can go through something that's so, so hard and kind of almost turn it into something that they just like put all of their passion into with helping out other people. And it just sounds like you're so passionate and excited and, and just pumped up to help other people. And um you've experienced it firsthand so it's like it's such a and it's I'm sure it's a I'm sure you're certain or you're you've been learning so many things about the grief would you call it a community is that fair to say the grief community like yeah sure okay I was like I don't know if that sounds weird um but just like I feel like there's so many people that go through these things and they probably feel and my this is my assumption is they probably feel so alone and that they've, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, this has not happened to anyone else. How am I going to get through this? And 
and all of the the trauma and and like you said tragedy that you go through when you lose someone so close to you um I guess what do you think about like like the biggest misconception of grief is Mm, that's a really great question um I think the probably the greatest misconception about grief is that it can be fixed Mm. and it cannot grief happens because as human beings we attach to things we attach to like things ideas places and most importantly people you know people who are good for us or bad for us or that you know an idea of a person that we wanted if it didn't have and when that attachment changes that's when grief happens so grief is like this like energy that is created when that attachment changes and the only thing that would fix our grief would be to like put that attachment back together but if that person has died there's no bringing them back there's no you know putting that attachment back to the way it was before so you actually can't fix grief grief is just something that we learn to live with that we cope with and we adapt with and one day learn how to be okay with it um rather than thinking that you know it's a you know it's a it's a broken bone that then grows back together or you know it's it's something that we can we can piece back together it's it's not we can't do that we can't fix grief um mm-hmm. and once you recognize that grief is not fixable then your whole approach to how you live with it how you support someone who is grieving it that all changes interesting yeah and i think that makes sense like cuz it's like a part of you will always have that sadness you know depression um yeah and that's actually that's another great misconception about grief too mm -hmm. is that like it is synonymous with sadness when that in fact like grief can be expressed as anything on a feeling wheel like Mm -hmm. there can be joy in grief there is some like beautiful dark humor that happens you know because we live with these really bad things um there there is rage there is sadness um there is gratitude sometimes if you know that person was really suffering um so to like understand that like if someone is like smiling and laughing that they are not grieving anymore or at that moment like couldn't be further from the truth but we do have this really like narrow understanding that like grief looks like sadness and tears um which you know for some people it does but then for other people like so the people who like do the the crying and the tears and really big emotional expression like they're they're called like more like intuitive grievers and they do really well in support groups and like being seen in their emotional expression but grief expression actually happens on a continuum and at the other end is an instrumental griever who is more about problem solving and grief being a very cognitive process um about learning things and doing things Um, Most people are kind of a blend of the two, but the grief expression is so much wider than we really have interpreted within our culture right now. Interesting. And I think, I feel like that does make sense because I think everyone, I think, goes through grief in different ways. Like you were saying, like some people Mm -hmm. 
are really angry or some people are just like really, really upset and crying nonstop. And then I think some people are just like cold and just like they don't want to talk about it. And I think that's also of like just how people process things. Like in it, I know that yeah. there's like stages of it as well. And just, you know, you might be really okay one second and then the next second you're like just really, really sad. And I think, and I also think it's, it's probably like a, like an up and down roller coaster. That's kind of what I've experienced through some of my loss and, and just understanding, you know, some days are going to be okay. And then some days might be, or minutes might be really tough. And that's, I think, a normal feeling when you're going through, you know, grief and a very traumatic experience. Absolutely. And I think the, the, that, that roller coaster image is like so spot on there's like ups and there are downs and then you go up again and then you go down again and I think the most important thing to remember you know if you are a person on that roller coaster or you are watching someone on that roller coaster the like just because they're going down again doesn't mean it's a regression like Mm -hmm. they're not moving backwards it's just the reality of like this is a very up and down thing and because grief doesn't get fixed like they will always feel something I mean, that's the kind of message that I've told myself to like move forward is like, there's no, there is no shame in feeling something because I am always going to feel something. Some days I am going to feel good and I can look back and I can laugh and smile and be so grateful that I had will. And then other days, like I will be furious, like at the universe for like making me live the lifestyle that I now have to live because will is dead. Um, And both of those things are okay and that doesn't mean like on the rage days that I have you know taken three steps back it's just like nope nope now now is a time to be angry and that's okay it sounds like like really giving yourself compassion and understanding like it's okay to feel all of these different feelings and what do you think is like the like for yourself how do you give yourself compassion and give yourself grace through, you know, some of these harder times? Yeah, that's a great question. I think once you hear all those banks with my dog. Um, okay. Uh, I think the, you know, the, the notion that I am always going to feel something has definitely been a really helpful piece. Another one is, you know, more of like a mindfulness exercise. And whenever I am feeling something that is more uncomfortable or experiencing something that is more uncomfortable, I always finish the the descriptive sentence with, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Which is just like a an, a an overarching like permission slip for the world to, to be what it is for me to exist in the way that I am existing in that moment. And, you know, do away with any judgment mm-hmm. at that time because it is so easy to like hate yourself when all of a sudden you know you're angry for you know a reason that's like unidentified or you know grief makes people more abrupt colder like it can do that right and mm-hmm. to look back on the person that you used to be who might have been like more empathetic and understanding you know, that's a big swing, but to give yourself permission to just exist as you are existing and just survive in that moment is something really powerful 
um, that I think I do for myself and that really anybody can do for themselves. I love that. Give yourself permission. And I think that's so powerful within itself because I think like you were saying, when you go through something like this, you you'll go through the ups and the downs, but really giving yourself that, okay, you know what? It's okay. I love that. Like when you said that phrase of, I feel this and it's okay. I love that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a really good tip. I feel like people can really <laughs> take away and just say, you know what? It's okay. I'm feeling this. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I also, I have um like a sticky note flow chart on my fridge that asks a really simple question. It's like, how does this, how does this feel right now? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, good. And then it says, if it's good, great, keep it. And then it feels bad. And it's just like, okay, toss it. So if you have any sort of agency to just say no, say no. Like, mm-hmm. obviously there will be tasks that are, you know, relatively mandatory. But if there are things in your life that you can just say like, hey, this isn't serving me. It's not serving me right now. It might never serve me again. Like it is okay to let it go. I think, you know, in grief, if particularly if we've lost a person and it makes the world feel very unsafe, we can kind of cling to old old behaviors, old habits, old people um, that might not be actually be serving us. So if you have any agency to be like, actually, no, this isn't good, like do that. Wow, that's powerful. That's really powerful. And that, that's also what contributes to, you know, post-traumatic growth. Yeah. Um, you have to be willing to lean into those moments, but it, but it is possible. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, how did people around you support you when you were kind of going through this in like a a helpful way? Yeah. Um, my support team has been incredible. Um, so great that the, the lessons that we learned together are what I wrote the book about. Um, but I think the, the overarching theme of their support was that, I will love you unconditionally and I will respect all the choices that you make to keep yourself alive, essentially. Um, and also respecting me as like the, the expert of my own grief, yeah. not assuming that they know, but rather asking questions when they don't understand um, or being willing to accept feedback when their, their actions have kind of missed the mark. Um, yeah, but I I think the the best things that they've done for me is that I have never felt abandoned or left behind or forgotten. Um, they have remained like steadfastly by my side, um, despite not really knowing what they were doing. Like none of us had experienced a loss like this ever before, um, and they were afraid. They made mistakes. And they kept showing up anyway. Um, And I am forever grateful uh, that they have been willing to do that. Um, Yeah, I guess some of like the specific things, like I have friends who like, literally like I can call them. Actually, I probably don't even have to call them. I can just show, they live an hour away. I can show up at their house and stay as long as I want. And I know that I will be fed and that they will help like walk my dog. (laughs) Um, and I can sleep as much as I need to sleep. 
Um, and it's just a really great um, resource for me to know that like when I am completely worn down that I can go there and I will be taken care of. Um, other friends are like administrative wizards. Others are, you know, wildly great listeners <laughs> when I just need to vent. Um, others are, you know, more effective at problem solving. So I'll call them. I think they all have their different strengths and, this is something that I advocate for in the book is like recognizing like what you are really good at and what assets you have. So, you know, the narrative that gets thrown around is show up with food and flowers and like go to the funeral. But if you really love this person, if they are part of like your inner circle, that's not going to work for like the long haul of grief, right? You need to be able to like be inside the house and mm -hmm. like be in this really like unstable environment for who knows how long. And if you are not a food person, you do not have to do the food thing. Mm -hmm. um, you have other strengths and resources that you can rely on to be helpful in this situation. And then also recognize that you are part of a team and it's actually, it's not a competition between mm -hmm. who gets to help recognizing that because grief does not get fixed, like you will eventually get your opportunity to help this person that you care about. Um, and I think my, there were some bumps early on, but they've really gotten the message at this point that like there is a role for everyone. Um, and they relish the moments when they get to be helpful. And then they are so respectful when they are not the person who like I have called on for, for help in that moment. Wow, that's such great insight. And I think, also, like when you're talking about, you know, different people doing different things for you or helping you out or, you know, venting or whatever, I think kind of just like my dating coaching background kind of just thinks about like, that's kind of like when you're, if you're in a fight with someone or you're going through just kind of anything and you kind of have those friends that you go to for certain things. It's like, oh, okay, I know that this girl is going to be a really good problem solver and she's going to give me the advice that I need. Or, you know what? I really need someone to tell me, am I being an idiot or do, am I doing the right thing? Like you have, you yeah. go for certain things. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think communicating too, like, I just picture someone maybe who's more closed off when they're going through grief. Maybe they kind of need to say, hey, this is what I need right now. And that's probably sometimes a really hard situation to do. So if someone is in maybe that sort of situation, do you, do you usually suggest like maybe expressing what they need or maybe the person kind of trying to help them out says, hey, what do you, what can I support you with or what it, what, what advice do you have for the, like that kind of situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great question. So the first thing that I would suggest is that if you are a support person to that, to the person who's more like, you know, um, more introverted, maybe we can say, um, mm -hmm. in their grief experience, um, I would highly advocate if you are the person in the support role, let them know that you love them unconditionally and that they are the leader that you are looking to for what your next step should be. And no matter what that step is, no matter what they need, that you will love them no matter what. Like that is how they will survive this by exercising, you know, and empowering them 
to get what they need to cope with this loss. The next thing would be, instead of putting it out there saying like, if you need anything, call me, um, be specific. So say, hey, if you want to talk, I'm available between like two and seven today. My phone will be on. You can call me anytime or text me, whatever. I will respond immediately. Or, hey, I don't have any plans this weekend. Do you want to come over to my house? Or, hey, I'm going to the grocery store tomorrow. Do you need me to pick you up anything? Like be very specific because so that person will be bombarded with messages of let me know if you need anything. And in those like really like immediate moments after the death has happened, like they are being flooded with so much stuff that to like give people jobs is quite difficult. Um, Also, there is a flood of people who are more like extended people of their community, not those like intimate friendships. Um, And, you know, they will probably get 17 lasagnas, realistically, like, it's a good chance there will be a lot of food. So it's probably not like an immediate thing. But like, if every week you text that person before you go to the grocery store, say, hey, is there anything I can pick up for you? Do it for a year, do it for three years, you know, like, this is a long haul. And um, yeah, just you focus on like, what your availability is, what resources you have, and what you are good at, and make those active suggestions for how you can be helpful. That is spot on. It makes sense (laughs) being specific, because I think, yeah, when you said that, it kind of struck like, yeah, people say that all the time, like, oh, let me know if you need anything. But it's like, nine times out of 10, unless you're really close to that person, they're probably not going to reach out to you. Yeah. specific with like I love when you said like what resources they need and what I'm good at or you know I'm free this day or whatever like it's it's and then they can kind of the ball's in their court to say oh okay you know what I do need some groceries do you mind picking this up for me and just being a soundboard too and I think just like knowing the comfort that that person is there for you or maybe you I always say this, maybe you check in on them once a day, say, hey, thinking of you today, like just something so simple, I feel like can go really, really long way. Yeah. And that's another thing that I write about in the book. So there's a whole chapter on like what not to say and a great lesson. The first lesson in this chapter is being really cautious about when you use the phrase, how are you? And because a person who is grieving can feel so many things in one day in one moment and unless you have the time to actually bear witness to actually like how they are like don't ask that question um even like you might even want to throw it out altogether because realistically like you know they are not okay right Mm -hmm. like how are you i'm not okay obvious it's quite obvious so what I advocate for is that if you if you don't have time to like sit and chat with them, whether that's on the phone or like have a text message conversation or get on FaceTime or be in person or whatever, like sending the message that says like thinking of you, sending the heart emoji, um, that that's a great thing to do. If you want to ask a question, ask something more specific. Like, did you get some sleep last night? 
how was talking to so-and-so that you said you were going to talk to? Oh, you said you were going to go to the cemetery today. Did, did you make it there? What was it like? Um, I think it's like really intentional about what questions you are asking so that they don't have to like do the emotional labor of like editing for your sake or to package it in like a text because they don't know if you're going to be there for very long. Mm-hmm. I had so many people early on in my process say, send me a message and be like, hey, how are you doing? And then I would tell them and then I wouldn't hear from them for 24 hours. And I'm like, oh, like, was that too honest? Like, did I freak them out? Are they gone forever? Um, so I just, you know, then I'm like, oh, like, maybe I need to truncate my responses. And but it didn't feel OK to just say that. Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, right, you know, right. um, so, yeah, be very specific or don't ask a question at all. Yes. No, I love that. <laughs> I love I love the honesty, too, because I think it's like. Yeah, you don't want to be talking like obviously I'm not doing good so like just taking that into consideration and I love that yeah. like I'm thinking of you you're in my thoughts like yeah just be really really hey supportive. I love you you know yes oh my gosh 100 yeah. like all of the love to give when someone is going through just yes. this awful tragedy um all right so I want to talk about the book because yeah. I think it's incredible that you are a published author and that's just <laughs> amazing. So when did you write it? And I would love to hear a little bit about the process of writing it. Yeah. Um. So I noticed really early on that I was more of an instrumental griever. I'm definitely the person who problem solves. Um. And early on in my process, I was having a really hard time like uh, empathizing with other widows just because like in a Facebook group where you're supposed to like find community, 70% of what gets shared there is just venting about people that they know who have forgotten them or have abandoned them or make them feel like, you know, they're on the outside now. And I wasn't having that experience at all. And so I wanted to do something to help people who are in my situation, but by not having them have to do the work. Um, and I recognize that when something bad happens and when someone dies, when they're, the immediate people around them, you know, their brains don't work like they did before. But there are people on the periphery of those people who have the capacity to learn new things, to absorb information. And yet all the tools that and resources that are created are made for the people who are at the epicenter of a tragedy. They're written for people like me to help me get through my grief. Whereas all these people are in a state of shock being like, what do I do? How do I help? Like, I love this person so much. I would do anything for them. Yet there is no go-to resource that says like, hey, here's a roadmap. Here's what you can do to be really helpful right now. Um, so I made that my problem to solve. And, uh, I started working on the book probably about six months after Will died. And it was strictly a project that I would work on when I, it was bringing me joy. And when it wasn't bringing me joy, I would put it down. And, um, it brought me so much joy that, yeah, it is published and and out in the world. And I get to talk to people like you about it. Um, so it's uh 
it's a tool that I hope brings a lot of people more confidence in showing up. And it also removes some of the isolation that bereaved people have suffered in the past um, because they can now be supported by the people that love them the most as they like grow and adapt and, and shift because of this thing that they've experienced. Um, yeah. Also selfishly, like uh, because I've written this book, I also like, I get to come and I have to get to have conversations about Will um, in spaces like this with like brand new people who, you know, don't know him, but I get to, you know, be like, Hey, like this is all inspired by this thing that happened to the person who I love the most in the world. And that, that is like a, a real gift for me as I, I move forward and more time passes since, since he died. I just want to take a moment for that. That is, I mean, that's beautifully said. And I think it's, it must be so, it must be such an amazing feeling to like hold your book in the, your hand and be like, I created this, like, and this is going to be read by so many people and I'm sure it's going to help so many people and like just getting to share your experience and share you know things about him I'm sure and in your relationship um that's just that's so powerful and kudos to you and bravo to you for for really pushing through and and creating it because I'm sure like you just said at times you're like "Eh, I'm not really feeling like writing today and and I think that's okay and I think yeah just from the sounds of it, it sounds like you have really, really great boundaries with like yourself and how you feel. And I think a lot of people, this sounds really rude, but I think a lot of people lack that in this world. Like they're very unaware of certain boundaries and, and things that, you know, don't bring them joy and they keep doing it. And they, I mean, I'm a recovering, recovering people pleaser. So it's something that I like, I've really tried to hard to focus on like, you know what, is this bringing me joy? Is this firing me up? Like pumping up my tires? Like, like you were saying, like, then take a break from it or put it aside. Like, I feel like life is too short to be able to be miserable or not happy doing something that you have to do every day or once a day or whatever, like once a week, it's like, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I'm just a very passionate person. So I feel, I feel that from you and you're really just so, um, you're just so passionate and, and I can, I can, I can feel that like fire within you and Mm -hmm. it exudes that. And I'm sure people that read your book are like, I assume just like really, really like feeling that energy from you. Cause it just seems like you're, you're just like. I don't even know what I'm trying to say just like fired up about it and I think I think that's just so powerful and amazing so thank you yeah I think you know we we talk about like I've I've mentioned the like grief isn't just like sadness and like depression right like this is my expression of grief right this is like my my way of like channeling everything that I have learned about grief culture and physiology and psychology and put it into something that fuels a purpose for me now, right? Mm -hmm. Like it gives some sort of like reason and outlet for this really horrible thing that happened Mm -hmm. to me. Um, And with that, like, as like grief is energy, right? And I, I am 
I'm an energetic person and to be able to find an outlet for that energy has been critical to my survival, I think. Um, and, you know, just like going back to like the, the like finding joy and like putting it aside in that, like this book is self-published because I wanted to do it my way. I didn't mm-hmm. want to have to write a book that exploited my story of loss to like gain attention like that would be disrespectful to Will. That would be disrespectful to his family. That would disrespect my boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. So I've like done it on my own. And I I am really proud, <laughs> to be honest. Like I'm really proud of myself for like doing it that way. Um, mm-hmm. Just because like, yeah, that 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 is the approach that I have taken to like this, this whole chapter of my life, right? It's like, do, do what feels good and leave it if it doesn't. Um, and obviously it took some time to, to give myself that authority um, over my life, you know, a recovering people pleaser as well. Um, but once like you are on the other side, like it is wild how much agency that you can have over the stuff that really matters in your life. Obviously there are things that you don't like, you can't control. You can't control when someone dies. Like, there are just things that you cannot prevent from happening, but there are other things that you can do to like capture the agency that you have. And I think that is so important and really like contributes to like how healthy I am personally after Will's death. That's so powerful. That's incredible. I really, I'm, I'm inspired by you. Thank you. I hope you never have to live through what I have lived through. Um, but if you do, you can call me and we'll we'll talk. <laughs> Bless your soul, seriously. Bless yeah. you. Um, do you have any good like self? I, I love self care and just like really mm. self care of yourself. Um, do you have any like tips for if someone is going through loss? Um, you know something that they can do for themselves that you know, might take a little bit of time or money or what have you, but just something that makes maybe made you feel good. Mm. I am a huge fan of weighted blankets. Um, Yeah. Weighted blankets and chips. (laughs) That's my, that's my grief survival toolkit. Oh, also, um, a really like long coat or sweater so that all you have to do is like put on a pair of leggings and like no one needs to know that you're wearing your pajamas underneath you just like zip it right up to your chin you can even put the hood up um and you don't know what's under there and you can go about your day like rather invisibly Mm. um those are those are more like survival tips um self-care uh I'd say like if there is trauma involved in your loss, like get help sooner rather than later and let yourself get help. And that's okay. And if you are have like financial barriers to like accessing like support, like call a clinic and tell them that you have financial barriers because there are so many resources out there that you can access on a sliding scale or mm-hmm. at a discount or organizations that, you know, will cover therapy for traumatic losses. Um, and the sooner you get help, the sooner you 
you know, you don't have to like suffer as much. Um, Yeah. Um, I'm also just a fan of lying on the floor, which is completely free. (laughs) Yeah. It's like lay on the ground and lay there like underneath your weighted blanket in your coat until it, I, I have done that. Like, hands up, I have done it I've done um, on several occasions. Um, yeah, until, you know, you feel like you can stand up again. Mm-hmm. And there is no, there is nothing wrong with that. That does not mean you are doing grief wrong. It does not mean you are failing. It just means that you needed to lie on the ground for a little yeah. bit. And that's okay. Wow. That is, and I think like, completely just lost my train of thought um I feel like when you're going through this too you might even think to yourself I don't know what I need right now right like sometimes it's just like I'm overwhelmed and then you're like oh my gosh like I think I need a reflection and I love I think journaling is also such a great tool um yes just kind of getting your feelings out on paper and being able to look and reflect on what you've like, you know, your progress, if there is any, and if there's not, that's okay too. I think that's, that's probably a normal, you know, situation when you're going through something just so hard. Um, I personally love, I really enjoy journaling and just, like I said, getting it on paper and then reading too, I think is such a nice escape. Uh, Just reading a good book and taking some you time and I don't know there's so many there's so many things that can be a little you know make you feel good for even if it's a short amount of time absolutely that's why I'm a huge advocate of chips you know you just don't get that kind of dopamine from broccoli or kale um right I'm not kidding (laughs) what are your favorite kind of chips now I need to know um well you know I'm Canadian so I don't know what flavors you have down there um, oh. I know you don't have all dressed, which is a wonderful chip flavor um, I that I so. really can't describe. It's like a like a ketchupy, vinegary, salty. Oh. Okay. Like yeah, it's a little sweet, little savory. It's delicious. Okay. Um, but then also like I will eat any kind of kettle chip, any yeah. flavor of kettle chip. Yeah, mm-hmm. very satisfying crunch. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love sour cream and onion. That's like my go-to. Oh, also a goodie. Yeah. For so sure. Good. So good. Yeah. I want to take um you mentioned um a good book and uh mm. it wasn't until I lost will that I became immersed in audiobooks. I think for a long time it was really hard for me to sit still and like read a book. But I mm-hmm. consumed, I in 2020, I think I read like 50 books and most mm-hmm. of them were audiobooks. Um, and my book is also available as an audiobook, um, which I think is a really great way for some people if, you know, you do want to escape, but, you know, mm-hmm. reading in front of you with your eyes is is more of a difficult task. Audiobooks are a great option. Love that. And can you please plug your book name? Yes, my book is called Grief Ally, Helping People You Love Cope with Death, Loss, and Grief. (laughs) Any other last thoughts before we get into our game? Mm, No, I'm just super grateful um, to have this conversation with you. And if anybody 
out there listening to this, you know, needs help or some guidance on where they can get help, or they're looking for other resources or communities, like feel free to reach out to me, I would happily guide you in the right direction and, and see how you can get the support that you need, whether you are a grief ally, or you are someone who is, you know, suffering from a, a loss that's close to your heart. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, definitely reach out. All right. Are you ready for our game? It's yes, super play fun. the game. <laughs> just this or that, just to get to know our guests a little bit more. <laughs> All right. So the first one is, are you an early riser or night owl? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. That's fair. I will sleep in and go to bed early. Oh, love that. that that's kind of <laughs> me. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, pizza or pasta? Pizza. Pizza. Love. Yes. Would you rather live in an amusement park or live in a zoo? A zoo. 100%. A zoo. Would you rather have the ability to talk to animals or the ability to control weather? Weather. Weather. Yeah. Yeah. It would be sunny all the time. This, you know? yes. <laughs> it would I'm never so rain. Sick. It would never snow. It would just be sun. I'm so sick of the snow right now. I'm like, can you please <laughs> just get to spring? I really, really am dying for some nice yeah. weather. Yes, uh, warm sun on my skin. Lovely. Yes. Would you rather online shop for the rest of your life or in person shop if you had to choose? Online shop. Nice. Yeah. Create a new holiday or create a new day of the week? Day of the week. Mm. Wouldn't that be cool? It would be a weekend for sure. Oh, the fact that we have to work five days and only yeah. have two off is such a rip oh. It really yeah. is. It really is. <laughs> I love to have a convo with whoever created that and be like, yo, because other countries right? have way more PTO and just different schedules. And I don't know. I'm just like, why don't I move to one of those places? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's reasonable. Uh, ocean or mountains if you had to choose mm. oceans today fair, totally yeah. fair. <laughs> do you prefer traveling somewhere new or traveling somewhere familiar I wish I was the person who likes somewhere new but I like familiar hmm Totally fair. Totally. <laughs> Would you rather direct a photo shoot or direct a movie? A movie. A movie. Absolutely. This one this one is always so intriguing for me to ask. Would you rather give up all technology or give up TV, movies, and books? Probably the tech. I give up the tech. Mm, me too. Yeah. Love it a good story. Be, yes. It'd be such 
a different world. But also we couldn't do this if it wasn't for technology. Very true. Very true. <laughs> we probably bumped into each other at a bookstore or a library or something. Literally. See, that's a good point. People would be more opt probably to go out and talk because you couldn't talk through technology. Yeah, yeah it is a very interesting thought. I really like that. I question. suppose like once upon a time that was kind of the world. I know. Isn't it really weird to think about? Yeah. Like the 90s yeah. And the 80s. I'm like, wow. Yes. I'm so glad I grew up in the 90s because holy <laughs> shit, I would not want to be a kid right now. God bless them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big, big job they got there. Yeah. Right. Um, do you prefer flowers or like potted plants? Flowers. Flowers. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't like the have to keep it alive thing too much pressure mm-hmm. yep yeah. that's why i get succulents and then i end up still they just droop and i'm like forgot to water them janae <laughs> for like weeks I'm like, but i oh, just shit. watered you six weeks ago <laughs> right. yeah. um and then the last one is sunrise or sunset 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 love yep. it <laughs> that is a fun game great game (laughs) every single time i like i it it brings me joy truly yeah that's great (laughs) Um, let everyone know where they can connect you connect with you and find your book and everything yeah um you can find me on social media at the alley bird with an alley is spelled a-l-y and it's bird with an i and my website is alleybird.com if you go to alleybird.com slash book, you can find all the links for where you can buy Grief Ally, which are Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, Chapters Indigo if you're in Canada, or from your local book retailer. Amazing. Well, I can't thank you enough for being here and being so vulnerable and sharing your story and just doing what you're doing. And I, I love that we connected. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. I hope you all enjoyed that episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Definitely go connect with Allie. And you know where to connect with me at My Naked Mindset on all of your social media. You can email me mynakedmindsetpodcast at gmail.com if you have any topics that you'd like to have me discuss or any experts you'd like to have me uh, interview. And tune in next week for another episode of My Naked Mindset. Thanks so much for being here. Bye!